millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello! Hey! What's going on? Welcome back to the show! It's the podcast. We are starting a cult with Grant. It's this true. is him, and that's me, Jake, here. I am Grant. Uh, that is my pal and confidant, Mr. Jake. It's true. And we are joined... At, honestly, see, we used to be joined by Mitch all the time, but then now, you know, it's like he comes later, so... Now he's fishing all the time, he's working... He's not here a lot, but now we're always joined by Navi. You yeah. know, Navi is here. Navi, the dog, who I think just dropped a clothespin that he loves so much behind the couch. Yes, I actually did give him a clothespin. very upset. Woof, woof. As you can hear. If you can hear him in there, he's having a good time. Um, but we are here today to... We're going to start the Halloween season off right. Because it's October 1st, okay? It's spooky season. It is. It's time for us to... I. I don't have a good metaphor or anything like that. It's like something really uh, scary. It is. It's that Maybe. time of year. You know, I... Uh, What's up, dude? I've been having a, a great afternoon thus far. We've been watching some YouTube, having some drinks. You know, it's good. It's, it's a good true. time. I drink a coffee. Yeah, Jake did not partake in the drinkage. Um, but I could. It's mostly just me. Yeah, but I'm it's like Friday, a, dude. You know, you're off work. You got to have a beer to kick off the weekend. Hell yeah. And we're going to kick off your weekend, or maybe your week. I don't know what your guys' listening schedule is. But we're going to kick it off with an oldie but a goldie. All right? Fucking oh, wow. Lizzie Borden. Yes. Goldie like a goldfish. How about that? And I got to say, I guess I, I don't think I'd ever truly paid attention to the Lizzie Borden story uh, as much as I should have. Because, you know, I, I knew kind of what everybody knows. Like, you know, she killed her, you know, her stepmom and her dad. And that's, you know, whatever. And then, you know, but um, I will say, I feel like just doing research for this episode, I've learned there's a lot more to it. It's and all it, very weird, yeah. It, it's very weird, and it's super influential for more than one particular reason. And it's just all around, it's a great way to start off the, the month of October. It's a great way to start it off. So no, I you're think, right. without further ado, I, we got no announcements. We got any announcements? Anything big coming? What do we have to announce? Um, uh, it's Halloween season. Mm-hmm. That the, the well, no, this episode is really the announcement of that. Yeah, and, Navi's and, going through a suitcase over there. He's pulling out socks. That's fine. That's just uh, my. Those are just my. That's just what's happening. Uh, it's fine. He'll be okay. Either way, I don't think we have any announcements. No, we. I mean, typically we don't really have announcements. See, that's the joy of this show. We're not some big fucking you know podcast. We just do this. We just talk. We just do it because you know what? This is what we would realistically. If we didn't do this, we would be in the other room doing this. So we, yeah, pretty much. We just have microphones now. So we just kind of like we hone in on that, you know. And we just put it all into one effort. Yeah. And we have a good time. So I hope you guys, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this episode, this is, what, 132? Something. We're in the 130s, and isn't that impressive? We are literally, it, it is a very somber, Not well, I guess somber is a bad thing. Somber is a bad it, thing. Um, it's a very sobering thing to sit back and realize that there are there's over 150 hours 
of Jake and myself just on the internet right now, free to anybody that wants to listen. It's just you can just there. listen to us talk, yeah. We're just there. We're just here to keep you company. You could literally fill up about five full days of your time just listening to us. Doesn't that sound like hell? Honestly, yeah. Sobering I mean, indeed. That's why you need the drink. I am myself, and I would be outraged if I had to do that. No, oh, yeah. Um, yep, I agree. But uh, you guys, I think you guys will really like this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. You might learn something. Um, I don't know. I feel like it, I, I'm always speaking for myself here. But I can say that as far as Lizzie Borden goes, I never really got to go past the surface of that story until this week. No, it's true. And like the song, whatever the song is. Yeah, was it like she gave her mother 40 wax? And then... Something happened and she gave her dad 41? That rhymes with 10 and then gave him 10. I don't know. That's probably something we should have prepared for considering i'll pull it up I'll, lizzie I'll get, borden i'll pull but, it up don't worry we'll, we'll get to it in this story all right all right but well, why don't we uh why don't we jump right in and uh, begin let's just go right at the beginning yeah all right yeah, let's all do right. it so lizzie andrew borden all right her middle name's andrew was born in july 19th of 1860 in river falls massachusetts to andrew and sarah borden all right so just a standard family okay uh, Lizzie's father, uh, though born of an affluent family, began his professional life struggling financially. Okay, Born rich, now he fucked up, now he has to maybe do something about it. This was only temporary, however, because his manufacturing and sale of furniture and caskets, as well as a director position in many textile mills, as well as his higher-up involvement in the Union Savings Bank of Dufresne Safe Deposit and Trust Corporation quickly quickly made him and his estate worth more than $9 million today, about $300,000 back then. Wow. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, um, if we're going to translate this into current terminology, he was the the master of the side hustle. You no, know very much mean? so. He made uh, quite a bit of money. I know that sounded like the most white bread generic thing you could ever <laughs> it was hear. The side hustle, but uh, it, it's just true. I mean, no, it is dude, true, man. He just he just made it work. He had money coming in from a lot of different places, uh, and he came from not necessarily riches, but he came from money. You know, affluence. So you know, affluence. He, he came from it, kind of went on his own, didn't have it, and then fucking. Boom, this dude just did not stop. He he had cash. Yeah, and obviously his past of losing a bunch of wealth that he may have once had before he gained all this, uh, at this point, uh, it, it may have uh, left an impression on him. Because despite his vast wealth, Andrew Borden was known for his fragility. Fru- frugality. Frugality. Damn it. Frugality. That's like me. I mean, I, I don't have money like him, but I am a frugal bastard. Oh, you gotta be. You gotta um, be. I, I will say uh, nobody, I, the one person I know, David, if you're listening to this, David is frugal as hell. And Very I, frugal I, man. I have modeled a lot of my money-saving techniques after David. Um, he has more just, money than any of us. He's just the fucking master. He, he knows he really what he's is. doing. He knows how to do it. He's a lot like uh, Lizzie Borden's father. But he's just not dead. Yeah. You know? I think even David would have indoor plumbing, but the family yeah. did not. Okay? Uh, they were also not in an affluent neighborhood. Uh, though not in a, you know, it, it, here, wait a minute. So the family lived with no indoor plumbing in an affluent neighborhood. So they did live in a neighborhood that was pretty good. Pretty good yeah. neighborhood. Though not a neighborhood that quite reflected the extent of their financial means. No, exactly. So they're like, we're we're still living under the bar, even though it's kind of nice. Think of it this way. It's like, I, if you're from the suburbs or if you're familiar with how suburbs operate, there's always the pockets that are really, really, uh, I guess, driven by money. They're huge houses. Yes. Yards, things like that. They could afford to be in there. Realistically, they could probably afford any property in that area, but they chose to go to the area next to that, which was a little bit less. I'm not saying it was poor, but it was, you know, it was just normal. It was just right. And they, you know, uh, you know they, they just saved. So instead of splurging for the big house and the opportunities, 
they kind of just relaxed and, you know, lived within their means and saved all that money. That's true. So Lizzie grew up rich, but not flaunting rich. You yes. Know? You Perfect know? way to say that. There we go. So uh, she grew up relatively religious as well. Uh, Lizzie, Lizzie did, uh, attending a central congressional church. All right, so that's teaching Sunday school there for children as well as immigrants. Interesting. Uh, she even served as a secretary treasurer of the Christian Endeavor Society, also involved in Women's Christian Temperance Union and Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. Yeah, so in the words of uh, Frank Zappa, she was a Catholic girl. She was know? a Catholic girl with a, with a tongue like a cow. Yep. She'll make you go, wow, all right? That she will. Actually, I guess they're not really Catholic, but, you know, close eh, enough. It's it's the same sentiment is there. They're a subsidiary of Catholicism. The religious sort of thing. All right, so sadly, uh, Lizzie's mother died. She, she died. Her name was Sarah. She died. Sadly, Lizzie's mother, Sarah, died and left a truly devastating gap in the family's dynamic, as, it, as you might assume. Uh, so Andrew, Lizzie's father, however, quickly filled that gap by marrying one Abby Dufree Gray. Or Dufee Gray. Dufee. 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 I kind of like <laughs> Dufee's way better. I just watched that fucking movie. I, like literally the other day. Really? <laughs> it's perfect. That That's perfect. Everything's lining up here. I Everything's amazing today. So uh, Lizzie was relatively defiant to her new mother. Referring to her, to her as uh, Miss Borden, often Ooh. with a condescending tone. That's I I can't even imagine because I'll say like even today, by societal standards. Now obviously people are everyone's different, so you know that everyone might is be, different. That might be something that's accepted, but I would say by the average societal standards, that's that's kind of rude almost, or seen as rude. And I can't imagine in the fucking eighteen hundreds. That that was anything but just horrific. No, yeah, that was probably not very acceptable. You might as well have called her a cunt. Yeah, you couldn't even show your ankles back then. You think you could, like, backhandedly say something to an authority figure? No Uh, way. There you go. Well, uh, Lizzie believed that uh, Addie, I believe it's Addie, or was it Abby? I think it's Abby. It's Abby. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, so Lizzie believed that Abby had married her father for his wealth. Which makes sense, because he was fucking rich. Uh, so, the Bordens live in Maid, Maggie, though her name was Bridget Sullivan. They just called her Maggie for some reason. Uh, she testified that Lizzie often uh, abstained from eating meals with her father and his new married wife. So, she was just not coming to dinner. Classic defiance. All right, so Lizzie was growing increasingly more agitated with her father's actions, and in 1892, uh, took an extended vacation to New Bedford with her sister. And this was apparently sparked by a pretty bad, particularly bad argument. All right, I don't know what the argument was about. Probably the new mom. I would only, I would only assume. Probably. Yeah, so that's what provoked it, and, uh, you know, uh, so upon returning home, Lizzie decided to remain separate from the main house, choosing to stay in the local rooming house instead for roughly about four days. All right, so even when she got home, she was like, I need a vacation from this vacation. Isn't that the worst? You're like, I, mm, I'm on vacation and I need a fucking break. I hate this. It's true. It's true. Especially when the the family situation is not good, which it was not. Because upon returning after those four days, things just continued to get more sour. Ooh. All right? Like a, like a warhead. Ooh. Ooh. That's a... I, I'm not even going to lie. I'm glad you said that because that's so descriptive. I love that. It just hurts. It's sour. There's something about something that isn't physical that when you say it's sour... It's gross. You're just like, oh, it's like milk curdling. It's like, no, this is like a warhead. You know, like when you say like, you know, someone smells and you're just like, that person just smells sour. It's like, oh, oh, I get it. That person is disgusting. Just awful. Just awful. Sidebar. Sorry. No, it's all good. good. Yeah. So she was was more agitated. She took this vacation. She didn't even come back after that. Stayed in the, stayed in the house for like uh, four days. Then she came back. Everything was so sour still. All right. So Andrew had gifted multiple pieces of real estate to various members of Abby's family, which uh, 
that kind of pissed off Lizzie. So, uh, you know, it, he's, he's given all these these properties. Uh, let's see what else. Andrew gifted the properties to various members of her family. After realizing this, Lizzie and her sister Emma demanded a low-rental property. All right? So that had been... Uh, it, it was the home that they grew up in with their mother. Okay. Right? So right. like, we want this property. And they purchased the property from their father for $1. And then... What did they do after that? They flipped it. They flipped it. Navi knows everything about flipping. They flipped it back to their father for the price of about $5,000, the equivalent to $144,000 today. Ooh, that's a... So they basically just took a shit ton of money from their dad. That's fucking crazy. Isn't that insane? Yeah, we're just going to take enough money to buy, like, a modest, I don't know, a modest fucking home, maybe a car, too. So much shit. You can buy anything with that today. Come on. But, uh, so, yeah. All right. August, August 3rd. Here we are. On August 3rd of 1892, uh, the uncle of Lizzie and Emma on their deceased mother's side uh, of the family, you know, John Morse. That was his name. Uh, he was in town, and he was invited to stay with the family for a few days so he and Andrew could discuss business matters. Right, yes, business. Yeah. You know, maybe something having to do with some of the property. Who knows? Around the same time, everyone in the house had grown alarmingly ill. Okay, so kind of yes. weird. And that will play a significant role later in the uh, in the initial trial. Quite a bit. Jumping so, ahead, though. Sorry. No, it's all good. So this could have been due to a uh, particular helping of mutton that had supposedly been on the stovetop for some time at that point that they were just kind of eaten off of. Now, again, I'm going to sidebar here for a second. No um, problem. I mutton. I've I've eaten it once in my entire life, and I I can't even say that it's like traditional mutton. Um, I I'm not certain, but I can't imagine that mutton is anything but just sloppy. Like I just anytime anyone's ever said the sloppy. word sloppy mutton, and I don't mean it's bad. I just mean it's physically just a mess. It's just cumbersome. Like it's just you eat it and you're just greasy. And you have like so many dishes and just fucking you gotta <laughs> so shower. Many dishes. Is it just like a piece of meat with a bone in it? Yeah, but there's something about it. I just feel like you have to like bathe. You're like six plates, fucking cutting board, every pan in your fucking shelf. Yeah, it's, it's all dirty somehow. It's crazy. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got the wrong impression. But I, I just feel like it's a very dirty meat, you know. I've no idea. You know what? We should try it sometime. It, it, it let's uh, let's whip up some mutton. I mean, don't. I was a child, so I can't say that it wasn't bad. I, I remember not enjoying it, but it wasn't like bad tasting. I think I just like, I probably wanted just like chicken nuggets or something. You're just like that's way more contained. Chicken nuggets don't ruin everything. Yeah, it's like I don't have to fucking bathe for a month after I eat a nugget. Yeah. But yeah, mutton, it's funny that it seems, again, I mean, I don't know, but mutton seems like a food that I wouldn't suspect of a very high class family. You know, it's Well, I mean, they were living on the, you know, on on the down low. Yeah, it's true. They're doing like the Warren Buffett thing. It's like, I buy the same McDonald's breakfast sandwich for $2.99 every morning. He's like, you could have like anything. (laughs) You could literally. You could have anything at any point in your life. You and could, you just get that. You could purchase McDonald's. The entire thing. All of the franchises. And just have it whenever you feel like it for free. He's like, nope, I would never. And that, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> like, a fair well, point. Well, it's working out for him. I know his name. But yeah, they Just from some, being rich. They definitely had some greasy mutton. And um, Damn right. Everyone was thinking like maybe that's what made the entire family sick at this point. But I think it's a fair guess. It is a fair guess, but the new lover, Abby... Uh, suspected that the cause may be a poisoning, as Andrew was not particularly well liked in in the the business world, you know, making caskets and all that stuff. Uh, so the next morning is when shit kind of gets nuts. All right, it's about to get friggin' insane. On August fourth of eighteen ninety two, John Morris ate breakfast with the entire family. Okay, so Andrew, Emma, Maggie, the the maid, and Lizzie. It was really early in the morning. It was great. Uh, they had a great, great meal. After the meal, he and Andrew retired to Andrew's office where they, you know, uh, they just chatted for about an hour. 
And after this, John departed from the home, purchasing a pair of oxen uh, to take with uh, to take him to visit his niece that was also living in River Fall or Fall River at the time. So, and then John, John, he he left around eight forty-eight, you know, with the oxen to go visit his niece. And Andrew went for a nice morning walk around nine a.m. Right. So the house is kind of emptying out a little bit. Although, uh, making up the guest room was one of the chores regularly left to Lizzie and Emma. Okay, so that that was the normal thing. They were the ones to clean it up. This morning, Abby went to the room sometime between 9 o'clock and 10.30 to make the bed. That's when she gets fucking murdered. Okay? Ooh, yeah, She's going to get murdered. <laughs> nope. Navi, woof. Come on. Everything's no woofing. Fine. Don't no woof. Woofing. I know you don't like murder as much as we do. Okay? Yeah, Just he... sniff my computer, I'll scratch your head. I know, again, I'm sorry, Jake, I hope this doesn't make you lose your spot, but I do find this to be an interesting interesting story. I'm sure uh, there's people out there that don't care, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, my my uh, my buddy, Navi, you know, the, the dog? Yeah, that the guy who was just yelling. Um, I uh, When I was watching The Walking Dead, I was re-watching it, and he really, he absolutely loved the governor, like without question, like he, he loved him. He was a he was a charismatic man at I would, first, you know. I'd watch it, you know. It was just me and him in the house, and uh, you know he'd be on the couch and he would not sleep. Like he would watch it, and every time the governor was on the screen, he would get really interested. And specifically, spoiler alert, but I mean, this happened about 10 years ago, so fucking grow up. Yeah, we talk about this show all the time. You should check it out if you haven't at this point. And the governor, when he dies, uh, Navi actually was whining very loudly for about five minutes. Good Lord, Navi, just the bad memories, huh? Even Yeah, just the thought of the governor is bringing up negative energy for him. But, um, so yeah, he does not like death, and it, it, it's rough for him, and he's in here with us, so... So bear with right, us. You right. know, it's fine. Yeah, there's going to be a description of a death now. Are you ready for this? Oh, he's ready. He's prepared. He's ready. All right, so this is where the murder begins. All right, so so Abby's going up to this room trying to make the bed. That's usually the job of Lizzie or Emma. But at between 9 o'clock and 10.30 in the morning, she enters the guest bedroom, and what do you know, a, uh, a hatchet hits the side of her skull. Okay? Ooh. When she arrives in the guest room. Causing her to fall onto the ground, as it might, you know, just anyone who's hit with a hatchet in uh, the side of the head. I don't even have to get hit with anything. Sometimes you just fall, you yeah, know? Yeah, It just happens. No, it's true. And if that wasn't bad enough, the assailant then proceeded to strike her head with a hatchet 17 more times. According to the report, 17 more times this hatchet went into her head. So that's terrifying. All right, well, after this... It seems like no one heard, like, as, as this happened. Nobody, like, realized it was happening because the house was enormous, right? But Andrew then returned from his morning walk around 10.30, okay? So to find that his keys failed to unlock his own front door. How outrageous. How, how angry would you be, Grant? Oh, I'd be fucking pissed. How angry would you be, Navi? I wouldn't have any other really... Well, I guess, I mean, I wouldn't have any other way to get to the house. It'd be outraged. No, he was fine. In a bit of an outrage, he began banging on the door for the attention of Maggie, the live-in maid. Uh, Maggie arrived at the door to find it jammed. All right, so that's weird. After muttering an expletive, she, uh, she claimed to hear Lizzie giggling faintly from the third floor. Isn't that kind of devious? Ooh, a little bit, yeah. So, after Andrew found his way inside somehow... Uh, he asked where Abby had gone off to, to which Lizzie uh, replied that she received a summons via messenger to visit a sick friend. Okay. Ooh, pretty, okay. Pretty believable thing for back then, you know. Uh, so Lizzie then supposedly helped her father out of his boots and into his slippers so he could take a nap. And after... Wait, what? You were going to say Me? something? Oh, yeah, I actually, I was. Uh, it, it, I could save it for later, but I think it's a, a nice detail to throw in now. Yeah. Um, that was actually disputed later. Oh, very much so. Um, because he was found dead in his boots. So th- this will come into play later. It's I just, true. A lot I, of holes start I wanted, to appear. I wanted to give you guys just a, just a little bit of a taste of what's to come in this 
very confusing and muddled tale that will happen later. Yeah. No. It's crazy. He still had the boots on. But this is what she claimed. Right, so she she claimed that she helped him out of his boots, put his slippers on so he could take a nap. And after he was laid down on the couch in the downstairs sitting room, uh, Lizzie then informed Maggie of a sale at a nearby department store. So isn't that cool? Okay. You got some nice deals over there. And, you know, Lizzie permitted her to go, you know, take advantage of the deal. She was like, you can go leave the house if you want. And But Maggie instead chose to likewise nap. Okay, so she was napping at the same time as her employer, which is probably a good way to do that if you're a living maid, I would think. All right, so let's go. Later that morning, after, uh, you know, actually it was exactly at 11.10 a.m., Maggie was awake in her uh, room, you know, from her nap. She was cleaning the windows of her own room because, you know, she's a maid, she's cleaning. Uh, So that's when she heard Lizzie call out from downstairs lizzie screamed maggie come quick father's dead somebody came in and killed him very just very very long thing to to scream it's a hurry oh my god somebody's murdered him oh my it's not like you know if you discover it's it's not like oh you know, it, it's like, no, Maggie, come quick. Somebody murdered my dad. It's like, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. Yeah, weird that thing to say. That is a, it's a very, and that's something, it's the very subtle clues that will lead to, you know, later in life, the speculation. There we go. And that, that may or may not be one of the positive clues in the favor of Lizzie Borden being a murderer. No, it's true. And you can hear it. Navi's whining. He does not like all this death. I know. Well. Poor baby. Poor baby boy. So, Maggie, the dash downstairs to find her employer slumped on the couch with uh, 10 to 11 hatchet wounds. Okay, his wounds were still bleeding at the time that she found it. They were, just, they were still just like gushing blood. Yeah, right, Navi? I know. So they were gushing blood, and even one of his eyes was fully split in two, suggesting yes. that he was asleep when, uh, you know, at the time of the attack. Yeah, and that's so a that crazy, crazy fucking thought. Like, it's like my eye is in half from this hatchet just, to just the, the face. The brutal accuracy that that takes to split an eyeball. and ha- I mean, I would venture this bet to anybody. Take a, take a cherry and set it down on a table and use a full-sized axe and try to split that motherfucker in half. It's it's going to take you more than one try, chances are. But once you get it, it is going to split in fucking half, it, much like this guy's It eye. will. It'll, it'll do it, but oh my god, that's just wild to it's me. It's fucking brutal as hell. But, all right, so the family's physician, uh, doc, Dr. Bowen, he lived across the street, so he came over, and he ruled both Andrew and Abby, after they discovered her in the guest room, to be dead. I like how it took an expert to rule them dead. It's like, like, oh, oh yeah. God, do you think they'll make it? They're done. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. 17 and between 10 and 11 hatchet wounds. I'm sorry to, to tell you, Miss Borden, your family is dead. It's like, oh, God. Oh, God, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, can you do anything? Give them CPR. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not understanding. Oh, They're God. fucking dead. Jesus. So uh, he also placed the time of death for Andrew at around 11 a.m. Exactly. Okay, so this was... Pretty much exactly 10 minutes before Lizzie called out to Maggie from downstairs. Uh-huh. Right? So weird. The investigation to follow was nothing short of hilarious. Okay? So when uh, questioning Lizzie on the events of the morning, her story would change with each policeman that she would talk to. Every time, it would just change in little details. So one story would have her, like, hearing noises prompting her investigation. Uh, the next would feature no noises, like... It, it, so she discovered the corpse of her father entirely by accident or whatever. Like, it just it changed every time she told it. Uh, what's more is that the police just generally, generally uh, disliked her tone during the whole thing, or more specifically, like, her attitude. Yeah, it, her, yeah. her attitude, just to give you... It was too poised. Like, yeah. she was too calm and, like, explaining, like, well... Let me tell you, this is what happened, and I just had a fright. Like, one of those, just very, mm-hmm. very like, oh, yes. Yeah. You want to know what happened? I will tell you. I want you, the listeners out there, when I say you, I want you to personally try and visualize this. Um, 
it, it, you have to imagine that it would be hard for anybody, not even just police and like a judge, to believe you if your father and your stepmother were murdered and instead of, I guess, having some like re- reservation about talking about it or just being very distraught. Yeah, it's like maybe you're in a state of shock, perhaps. Yeah, like she was extremely coherent to the point where, I mean, she was recounting this whole story just like, Boom, 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 boom. Here are the facts. This is what happened. Like, But again, it kept changing every time she would tell it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it, and it, it's hard because not only are you dealing with the fact that the story isn't sticking. Uh, I mean, I, I, sticking is not the right word. The story isn't staying in one particular lane, but also the fact that she is so, I guess, open about discussing it. That it's like, oh, I'll tell you anything you want to know. It really, it really leads you to believe that this person either simply doesn't care or has prepared for this moment to a point where this is like scripted, it's rehearsed, it's something that she is very willing and ready to discuss. Either way, it's, it's pretty, pretty terrifying. Either she's detached so much from her family that she really doesn't give a shit or she murdered them. So or it's both. not really yet. Yeah, it's probably probably both. But uh, so despite you know her story changing a bunch, and despite her her attitude and demeanor being super weird to the police, uh, despite this, the police failed to search her and her belongings for blood stains at at the beginning. You know. Yeah, and that is uh, true. yeah, and what's more, uh, they merely did a cursory search of her room due to her claiming not to feel good. Yeah, and th- this would later become like a huge point of contention for people that think she did it because it, I mean, okay, okay, think of it this way. Somebody is a suspect for murder, and instead of searching her personal room, like her belongings, they'd be like if Jake or I were committed, you know, committed a murder and they didn't search the podcast studio. You know, no, yeah, this is probably be where I'd hide the stuff. Exactly, it's the perfect. It, it it's your like private space where you store your things that you use on a daily basis. Yeah, and they, it's not that they didn't try. I mean, they did ask her if they could search the room, and she was very willing to let it happen. But she also said that she wasn't feeling very well and she needed to rest. So instead of doing a full on search, they kind of just, for lack of a better idea they kind of just opened the door and like stepped in and looked around and was like all right it's good go back to anything yeah go back to sleep like get your rest like i know you're not feeling well well i mean yeah the excuse also kind of worked because like i said before like the entire family was was beginning to become like ill Mm -hmm. around this time so it was just like it could be corroborated by the surviving members of the family who were just like oh yeah we've all been kind of sick exactly you know perfect it's not only the perfect excuse, but it's the perfect ploy as well. Yeah. You just, I I still don't feel too good. And obviously, I mean, yeah, you know, you have the whole trauma of your father and stepmother being murdered in your home. But th- there's more to it than that. You know, yeah. she just actually said she did not feel well. And that allowed the police to, I guess, cut their investigation short. And therefore, as of today's standards, not collect the proper amount of evidence you would need to, you know, make a decision. Yeah, it was not properly done. Similar to a John Benet Ramsey, where it's like, you know, shit got kind of fucked. And Just you a ruined crime scene. You weren't really able to collect everything you needed to collect. So nobody, even with the decision that was made, you don't know if it's the true decision. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very true. Well, so, you know, the sickness line, like I said, with the, with the house, uh, you know, the people in the house, they were all getting sick. And the autopsies of both uh, Andrew and Abby revealed no signs of poisoning or anything of that nature. So Abby's suspicions weren't necessarily, uh, you know, vindicated. But, uh, fun fact, the autopsies of Andrew and Abby were conducted right in the comfort of their own home. Which is... So just right in the crime scene. They were just like, let's put them them on the counter. I mean, yeah, again, as of today's standards, that is a no-no. That is a, we don't do that. Very much so. You can put up, you can put down as much plastic wrap as you want, but that's, that's not generally uh, smiled upon. No, 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 no. So yeah. So after further search of the house, police found in the basement 
two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle. Ooh, and this this okay. is my favorite part of the whole story. Isn't I don't that know why, fun? but it truly gets to me that this is just my absolute favorite part. It's hilarious, dude. Navi, don't worry about it. All right, so the hatchet head with the broken handle was determined to be the murder weapon due to its appearance that someone had purposely sprinkled dust onto it to give it the appearance that it had been there for some time. Yes. But what gave it away was that the break in the handle was new, but the amount of dust on the blade was far more than uh, like the seemingly untouched axes had mm-hmm. that were alongside it. So it was just like caked in dust with a brand new break in the handle. Yes, and uh, you might be wondering out there, how do you say that you know there's a brand new splinter in wood? Well, it, it's easy to kind of look at if you know what you're looking for because the splinters in the wood hadn't uh, settled, I guess. Uh, that's a good way to put it. They they looked as if they were brand new. Like, they didn't have time to curl. They didn't have time to, you know, set into the rest of the wood and they kind probably, of look natural. Yeah, they probably didn't also have dust in it, like any no. cobwebs or anything stuck in there, maybe hair. It looked as you know? if, from the the investigative side... It looked as if somebody had taken an axe and split the the neck of the axe, and then instead of making it look like the entire axe wasn't used, they just put a shit ton of dust and whatnot on the actual axe head itself. Just the blade, yeah. And the rest of it looked pretty fresh. And, again, I mean, you could compare this to anything that you have. I... Uh, I would say that probably one of the better examples would be any sort of remote that you might use. When you pick it up, you know, the buttons that you click may or may not have a little bit less dust than the ones that you don't use. That's very true, yeah. And that's exactly what this axe seemed like. It had, the handle was not dusty, the break in the neck especially was not dusty, it was brand spanking new. Inconsistent wear and tear is what it is. Yes, that and that honestly you couldn't have said it any fucking better. That was perfect. There we go. Something was wrong. It it looked too unnatural as if somebody had, you know, planted evidence. Yeah. And yeah. I got to give again, I don't I don't want to say that, you know, Lizzie Borden did it. Um, I don't want to say she didn't do it, but whoever... Probably pretty safe, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah I mean. Whoever it may have been that uh, you know did these murders and then decided to throw this axe down there, they did both an amazing job at covering it up and also just a terrible job. Because made, their shittiness of covering it up would directly point it at Lizzie Borden. Yes. So there you go. Yeah. They made one very, very, very terrible error in their placement of the axe. Uh, everything else was stellar. If yeah. you would have done the whole thing together, you probably wouldn't. That probably wouldn't have even been something we'd be talking about at this moment. No, probably not. But just the very simple fact that that didn't work out the way we're talking about it, it does not bode well for Ms. Board. No, it does not. Navi, don't even worry. Well, uh, the night of August 4th of 1892, so, that you know, the, the day of that, that night, uh, John, Lizzie's uncle, stayed the night once more. Okay, so this time he was staying in the attic guest room, probably to maybe put some distance between him and possible murderers. Yeah, I, I obviously don't fucking blame him. Um, I would never want to sleep in a room that somebody... I, if I could prove... That somebody was murdered in that room, I would not stay there. No, I probably would not. I would sleep outside. You know, if I had, like, alternative options. Well, uh, so with police stationed around the house all night, there wasn't a thing happening inside that was not seen. And apparently, police saw Lizzie and her friend that stayed the night, uh, you know, that night. Uh, the friend was concerned for the family. She was like, I'll stay with you tonight. Uh, that was Alice Russell. Uh, so Alice and Lizzie apparently were seen going down into the cellar with a gas lamp. Okay, so, you know, you know, you're just moving about your house, whatever. Uh, both young women soon left the cellar, but then Lizzie returned alone shortly after, appearing to hunch over a sink for some time. Uh, Very suspicious. That's the, the noise I imagine she made was, she was just that hunch. retching and just puking everywhere or maybe cleaning up some sort of blood. I don't know. I have no idea. But she was hunched over a sink. So the next day... Uh, John attempted to leave the house, which is, yeah, 
you know, yeah, uh, he wants to leave. But he was swarmed with a mob of people, curious about the goings-on of the household. Hundreds of people, apparently. According to reporters, there were hundreds of people just outside of this police line. So police quickly escorted him back to the house, which is not what he wanted. Uh, the next day, August 6th, all right, uh, police did a more thorough search of the home, and this time confiscated the broken hatchet, as well as inspecting the clothes of both Emma and Lizzie, which is probably what they should have done immediately. Probably, yeah, that's, that's arguably one of the better things you could have done. Yeah. Definitely. But, you know, I mean, I wasn't there, so ah, I can't say I that, you know, that was the we're wrong We're not policemen, decision. we're just talking about it. Well, uh, it was on this day that Lizzie was informed by the mayor uh, of her town. <coughs> Shut up, Navi. Come on. All right, he's just staring at us. All right, so uh, she was informed by the mayor of the town that she was a suspect for the murders. All right, so the morning after that, John entered the kitchen early in the morning to discover Lizzie on the floor tearing apart one of her dresses. It's tearing like, apart? Tear, uh, just on the floor. She was just tearing it apart. So when asked what she was doing, she explained that she was planning to burn the dress because it had accidentally been covered in paint. Okay. It, can we, can oh, we, I wonder what color the paint was. Let's. I need to stop here for a singular moment in time. What the fuck kind of excuse is that? <laughs> oh, I was just going to burn my clothes because I got a stain on them. How come... Okay, okay. Again, I mean, maybe this is something they asked and it was just lost in time. Um, how come not a single person inquired as to what the fuck... Where did you encounter wet paint? Like, not a single question of where was it? Was it in the house? Uh, were you out somewhere? Was it maybe in the basement with all the axes yeah like what exactly do you mean by i got wet paint on me um because it's not every day that wet paint is uh something you encounter accidentally covered in paint yeah and and also again i know that they did not have washers and dryers they didn't even have fucking plumbing in this house but if it truly 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 was just paint was there no way to buff that out or throw it away or you had to burn it? You know what I mean? So, I mean, they have meager, like, you know, living situation, but I guess they are rich. They could just afford to get a new one. Yeah. And, but, but still, it's but like, it, it seems what like are you doing burning on the... it is such a drastic measure. Yeah. And that tearing it's... it apart on the kitchen floor, just throw the whole thing in the fire. Exactly. It seems... just, if that's your, your end goal. It seems unbelievable. Uh, I mean, that's just me. Obviously, I'm looking at it through a very present-day lens. But um, I think it's fair to say that that seems slightly like a... like a reach. Maybe some sort of cover-up for some recent crime that occurred, maybe in the house. Uh, yeah, I mean, even to this day... Typically, people don't burn their outfits unless there's a very valid reason to... It takes a lot for me to burn my outfit. I can honestly say I've never burned any outfit of mine. I mean, I've, I've burned holes unintentionally. Well, that's just hiding joints from your neighbors. That's true, but I... You know, it's it's still a functional piece of clothing. There you go, yeah. It's just, it's more it just so... becomes the joint shirt. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what happened to that shirt. It's gone forever now. Maybe you burned it. I have it somewhere. Receiving a call. Ooh, I'm getting a call. Let's see who it is. We'll be back. It's it's Alex. It's Alex. Hey, put we'll... him on. Get him on. Okay, let me let get me it, call him, him back. Here. I'm putting him on speaker. I don't know if y'all can hear him, but I'm putting him on speaker. Hey, what's up, dude? What's, what's up, happening? Dude? You're on the show right I'm, now. I'm here. Oh, what's up, dude? Oh, oh, he's here. Oh, he's here. All right, we'll be back in like less than thirty six seconds. That was exactly 35 it's seconds. true, and now Alex is here. For those of you that don't know... He waved. Um, again, this might be very off-topic here. I, I don't know where the information came in. It's okay. Um, but we typically we don't actually um, edit any of these episodes. We just go free-for-all. We do, Whatever comes out, comes out. We just stop and then start. You know what? I told Griff on the other podcast that that's what we do. He's like, that's editing. Like, not... I mean, sort of, but, like, not really. I guess, right? Like, would you agree, man? Really, the only editing that we've actually done today is that we paused it. Um, 
And we said we'd be back in 36 seconds. Now, for the the listeners out there, it might have seemed like, you know, instantaneous. It was forever. It was about 20 yeah. or so minutes. In real life. Actually, let me, I could, I could see, it was actually 48 <laughs> minutes that we were gone. Jesus Christ. We were paused <laughs> for a solid 48 minutes. Yeah. Well, um, uh. But we're back. We're yeah. back. All right, so let's get back into fucking Lizzie. All right, mm-hmm. Lizzie. She was. She was like, oh, her uncle caught her she, on the on the kitchen floor in the morning, just like, oh, I'm going to tear apart this dress because it got so much paint on it. Now I want to burn it. So uh, I'm pretty sure her uncle told on her because it was then that she was taken to the police station to await trial. Grant. Ooh. Okay. All right. So yeah, when when the time of her trial came. She had been thoroughly doped up with morphine to calm her nerves, apparently. Yeah, that that, it's, that plays a major role yeah, in what's to come A lot later. of morphine here. It's said that this may have uh, had a lot to do with her general strangeness when, uh, you know, talking during the trial. As it ensued, uh, her story kept changing, much like it did with the police the day of. Yeah, like it, it, it just kept changing. She just cannot keep her story straight. And this time she kept saying, like, oh, I was reading a magazine in the kitchen. And then my dad came home and and then I was in the living room irony. And like, it's just so many different things. She said she was upstairs. She said she was outside reading magazines. All these things. She's full of it. Full of it. Full of it. I don't believe it. Murderous rage. Full of it. Yeah. Yeah. So her story kept changing. Uh, Where are we now? So she would uh, she would also regularly refuse to answer questions, even if the results of which would be beneficial to her case. So she was just refusing to speak if she wasn't just telling a crazy story. Yeah. And to compile all this together. So she is dead honest. I mean, no hesitation in her story at all. She is just straight telling you the facts. X, Y, Z, this is what happened, bam, 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 bam. Not really distraught at all. On top of that, uh, the information she's giving is not consistent at all. No, and the biggest example of that, which is what we were talking about earlier, just blatant lying. She said she helped her father out of her out of his boots before he laid down for his nap, and what do you know, crime scene photos showed. It, Andrew was still wearing the fucking boots. Exactly, and then all on right. top of that, on top of all of this, now she's just simply refusing to answer questions. and It's true. She just stopped talking. Yeah, it, it's very strange. So we got, we're dealing with a trifecta of shit that's going on Badness. in Lizzie Borden's life. Yeah, she's not really uh, doing good. No. So that is all leading. It's very against her, to be completely honest with you. It's very against her case. So pretty much what happens here, they... They request an inquest, and for those of you that don't know what that is, um, don't feel bad. I had to look that up. I, I was not sure what that yeah. was. To request an inquest, that just makes me, because I always thought that request and inquest were like the same thing, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what is it, Grant? What is it? So an inquest is essentially a pre-trial. So what it is is they call you in, and in front of a judge and in front of you know other people, you kind of you give the facts. You tell people you know what you know, what you did, what happened, blah 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 blah. You fill in the blanks for everybody. Now this takes place before a trial, so that you can't be you know tried on anything that happens here. Um, it may or may not be used as evidence, but all in all, it's very it's very much just a simple information gathering. It's just like an FYI of the of the trial system, mm-hmm. you know, justice. Um. So, this took place on August 8th. Now, she, Lizzie, when I say she, I mean Lizzie, she requested that her family attorney be present for all of this, and they denied her that right. And simply, Seems not cool. Um, simply because uh, the state statute uh, said that an inquest must be held in private. So, that would mean that no lawyers are to be present. Nothing like that should happen. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where the information really kind of came to a head, right? And what they learned is that Lizzie Borden was on a very heavy dose of morphine immediately after the murders took place, okay? Yeah. yeah. And this was later used, uh, I mean, obviously we'll circle back to this in a moment here, 
But this was later used as evidence um, for Lizzie Borden's innocence, stating that, you know, she couldn't corroborate her story. She had a hard time talking uh, because she was drugged up. I mean, she's fucked up. Yeah. No, so yeah. we got all that going on. When and you're then, partying on drugs, you don't really want to explain your crimes. Mm-hmm. So all of this continues. Like Jake said, uh, her story is obviously not very consistent. Uh, it's bouncing around a lot. We don't have any solid information because the the person they're asking, you know, Lizzie Borden, is not giving information that can truly be identified as factual. Um, they're getting one thing, then they ask her the same question again, they're getting a second opinion. Yeah, yeah, just blaming on the morphine. All from one person. So this is causing a lot of issues in the actual case. So now we move into June 5th. Of 1893, we're talking about ten months after the fa- after the whole inquest thing, right? All right. So what happens here is we go to the official trial. Uh, the just for namesake, we had Hosea M. Knowlton, and then we had William H. Moody, who would later become. I totally a- thought you were about to say William H. Macy. That'd be cool. That'd right? be amazing. Uh, Moody actually became a U.S. Supreme Court justice later uh, in time. But they were the defendants in this case, okay? So they brought to evidence all of the instances that took place in this case. We're talking about the accident. We're talking about the murders. We're talking about the fucked up, you know, stories, the timelines, yeah. things like that. Roughly 17 strikes to the dome for Abby. And then, what was it, 10 to 11 for, for Andrew? Yes. Um, so the, one of the major, major pillars of the case was the murder weapon, the one that we talked about uh, having evidence of potentially being tampered with. Yeah, just sprinkle some dust on it. Right. So what we have here, um, it, it, it kind of backfired because one officer actually testified that a hatchet handle was found near the head of the hatchet that was split. And that would obviously corroborate that Lizzie Borden did it. However, another police officer said that that was not the case at all. So they had... They don't even have their fucking story straight? They're the police. No, they did not. They had conflicting evidence against each other. And they were on the same side. Jesus Christ. So we're dealing with that. Um, This really is like the John Bonet case. Like The cops are just fucking this up majorly. Like, the only right? thing missing from this one is them cleaning up the crime scene with Clorox. Yeah, honestly, it's fucking that's fair. ridiculous. Then we're going to move into, obviously, what we just spoke about again, the dress that she was burning. Um, there was admittance of, of both parties. Lizzie Borden actually admitted that she did this, and then the other side actually said that they, you know, they had evidence to support that she had done this, correct? Yeah. And what had come of all this is that Simply nothing came of it. Uh, nobody they just didn't pay attention? Nobody pressed the issue. Nobody asked further inquiries about the dress burning. They simply took it at face value that she had dipped into some wet paint and, you know, fucked up her dress. And boom, that was it. That was all that she wrote. No one even talked about possibilities of it not being paint. No. No, 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 no. Why? Um... So another, 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 another point of contention here for the case was that um, this was really her presence at uh, the home at the time of the murder, okay? So according to the testimony, um, Sullivan had entered the second floor of the home at around 10.58. Who was Maggie? Yes, yes, Maggie Sullivan. Sorry about Living that. maid. Um, and she had left Lizzie... Uh, and her father downstairs. So Lizzie had told people that at this time they went to the barn and they were not in the house for probably about 20 minutes to a half hour. We both her and her father? Yes, give or take. Okay. Now, one of the uh, people that testified for the defense named Hyman Lubinsky <laughs> Hyman. testified that Lizzie Borden had left the barn at 11.03 and this was later confirmed. At 11.10 a.m., Lizzie called Sullivan, or Maggie, downstairs and told her that Andrew had been murdered. So we have a seven-minute gap between when Lizzie says she was gone 
and when it was proven by witnesses and other people around the story would kind of that she had dark left things earlier than she said and she was actually in the home at the time of the murder Some okay dark things are populating those 7 minutes i, mm-hmm. I assume and this is when you know we had the great call where she uh, uh elizabeth Elizabeth Borden Elizabeth. had called Maggie and said, oh, my God, my father's dead. Somebody do something. Somebody came in and killed him. Oh, my God, Maggie. Yep. Um, so uh, instead of letting her enter the room to see what was going on, she had simply told Maggie, do not come in here and call a doctor. Okay? Weird, right? Yeah, it's sort of weird. Um, so on June 5th of 1893, after extensive autopsy work, now, both of the heads of Lizzie Borden's stepmother and father were taken off during the autopsy and studied very heavily. And So they just finished the job right there. Upon just... bringing these severed heads into the courtroom, uh, Lizzie Borden actually collapsed. She fainted and just was out of commission. I thought I killed those things. Uh-huh. Um, so the evidence that suggested that Elizabeth Borden had... Pre- supposedly bought an acid to potentially poison them was excluded from the testimony. Yeah, wasn't she like, didn't she claim she used those to like uh, condition her fur coats or something? Yes. Like, but then uh, like some professional on the matter was like, that's not what they use these things for. So mm-hmm. she was like, well, I did it. And it's like, well, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, you can't. Um, so the judge had ruled that the owning of poison and that this incident possibly regarding poison, uh, it was too remote in time to have any connection to the actual murder. Yeah. And again, in the in the autopsies, they, the autopsyist or whatever he's called. Autopser? The coroner. Yeah, it's not as fun. But yeah, that guy, he didn't find any signs of like poisoning no, no, in no, their no. bodies. No, absolutely not. So I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So... After a lot of deliberation, uh, a lengthy summary was given, right? And it supported the defense on June 20th of 1893. Good Lord. After an hour of discussing, the jury had acquitted Lizzie Borden of all murder charges. Um, Upon exiting the courthouse, it was reported that Lizzie Borden had said she was the happiest woman in the world. Okay. No, that makes sense. She got rid of the people she hates, and now everything's fine. Not even in prison. True. This girl. Yeah. So after the trial had wrapped up, uh, the Borden sisters had moved into a new modern home in the Hill neighborhood in Fall River. And this was the neighborhood that they didn't live in, but they, you know, it was speculated that they very much could have lived in. Okay. This was the, the, the in neighborhood, as they say. Ooh. Um,. So they had lived with money. And do you want to know the fucked up part? What? So Lizzie Borden's stepmother had in her will that all of her property would go to the father. Okay? Okay. The father of Lizzie Borden. Yeah. And since it was ruled that the the stepmother was killed first, all of her property was granted to the father, who was then immediately murdered. So all of her property, as well as the father's property... Went to the Borden sisters. Holy sh- No wonder she's fucking ecstatic. Yes. So wow. everything that was owned by not only the affluent Mr. Borden, but the stepmother as well, all went to the siblings because of the court ruling that the stepmother was killed first. Damn, dude. That means all the, like, maybe gifted things to people in her family, like, went back to them? They're, like, the landlords? Pretty maybe? much, yeah. Like, That's they, crazy. They made it. Um, so they lived in a house... Um, and they actually named it Maplecroft. That was what Lizzie used to call it. It was kind of nice. Um, and they had live-in maids, a housekeeper, and a coachman. Okay. What does that mean? Oh, like a like a buggy guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um. So yeah, and then yeah, so pretty much they got everything they could possibly have needed. They started living how they always felt that they probably thought they should. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Obviously, for you know Lizzie's life, uh, she was ostracized by her town for that very reason. And then it actually got a lot worse because she was accused of shoplifting in 1897 <gasps> in Providence, Rhode Island. No way. And that brought her name up again, right? 
Um, what would she steal? <laughs> so why would she steal? <laughs> She's so rich. And then uh. th- this is un this is unknown. Okay, nobody knows the true valid reason. Okay, but in 1905. Uh, there was an argument over a party that Elizabeth, or Elizabeth, sorry, Lizzie, had thrown for the actress at the time named Nancy O'Neill. There was a huge argument between the sisters, and Emma moved out of the house that year and never spoke to her sister again. Okay. Ever again. What a weird line to draw. It's like, oh, yeah, you killed our parents, uh, but I really wanted to have this party, and you don't agree with me on uh, all the aspects, so... You're you're done, kid. You're out of my life. Mm-hmm. It's like what a weird line to draw. So Elizabeth Borden had her gallbladder removed, and then she died approximately one year later on June first of nineteen twenty seven in the very town she lived in, which was Fall River. And following her death, approximately one week after, her sister died. Well, and the Lizzies were gone forever. The Lizzies. <laughs> the Lizzies. Uh, now, the one thing that I want to say, this is something that did not come up in court. This is something that came up later. Obviously, throughout time, there has been hundreds upon hundreds of different ideas and you know potential ideas and what at exactly what had occurred on that fateful night. Okay. Okay. Now. The one thing that is often overlooked is that her father, previous to the murders, had gone into the barn and noticed that there was a, a massive amount of birds, and specifically pigeons. Yeah, a lot of pigeons in there. And he had slaughtered all of them, thinking that they had you know, gotten in there wrongfully. But it turns out that those were Lizzie's pets. Lizzie loved those pets. Yeah, she was trying to find some sort of hobby to distract her from the life with her family that she hated so much. And what do you know, her dad went in and uh, cut all their heads off with a hatchet. Mm -hmm. Now, this has obviously led to speculation that this was a very strong motive behind the murder. Um, But all in all, all we can say as of right now is that Lizzie Borden, as far as the American justice system is concerned, did not kill anybody. Now... There's obviously a lot of evidence that might support her, which, you know, has led to the fact that she's been prominent for so long. We're talking about her, you know, a hundred and fucking forty years after the fact, simply for that very reason. It was the original O.J. Simpson, if you will. Yeah, she's kind of like the uh, the O.G. Uh, Casey Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it's weird. definitely, uh, you know, definitely guilty. did it. Definitely guilty, but somehow is free. Yeah, I, I can't say that I know why she got off on that, but it's just that was that's no what idea. it was. Yeah, no idea, dude. You, you, can you imagine how much money someone would pay for Lizzie Borden's gallbladder? Um, the one that was removed, like just in a jar. I can't say that I I. I <laughs> I'd be willing to pay a lot of money for that, to be would honest. You? To like, be honest, like what's your cap? Because I would imagine it would start at like at least five grand. If I, I had the option, I would say somewhere around ten grand. I think is reasonable. You're willing to drop ten grand on a murderer's gallbladder? Yes, that's fucking badass. That's I, why I, we have this podcast. That's why you're here listening. Everybody listening is fucking awesome. Ain't that the truth? Now, yeah. with that being said, I hope that was a great introduction to the Halloween spooky month. It's true. Sometimes you can kill people, uh, even in your own house, and then uh, get away with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and you'll be immortalized through time. Ain't nothing going to happen to you. But with that being said, that is effectively our episode for the week. Don't do that. Don't kill anyone. No. But, uh, you know, unless you're like an officer, there's electric chair, death row, all these different weird things. Or if you're a soldier, you can just kill people, as long as they're wearing a certain uniform. But... Yeah, Lizzie Borden, spooky, spooky season, uh, spooktastic. <gasps> I think that's the end of the episode. That is the end that's of the, the episode. the beginning of October and the end of the episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this story. We will be back with extreme more amounts of Halloween-themed episodes. No, it's very true. We're going to have a great month for you guys coming up. We got, what, I think four episodes just based on the way the time falls. Probably. I mean, this is the first today, so it's we got we got nothing but time. Yeah, so we got three more episodes at the very minimum 
of what you guys are going to fucking hear coming up, and you're going to love it, I promise you. Oh, it's awesome. And in the meantime, you can follow us on all the shit. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we have the email, startthecult at gmail.com, and there's a link to our Patreon down below, and we do bi-weekly episodes. Yeah. The next one's coming this coming Thursday, so all you patrons out there will be listening for that one. The last time, we just complained about work. Yeah, we did. For roughly 40 minutes. We'll see what happens again. So, it's just anything that might be on the top of our mind. But anyway, that's us. That's Grant, and I'm Jake, and this is We Are Starting a Cult. Mitch is present. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.